Well, good morning, everybody, and I know you're already laughing. It's Larry Jacobs. I have an incredibly scratchy throat this morning, but I wanted to get this show done because I got great guests for you today. So welcome to Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio with a host with a scratchy voice, Larry Jacobs. That's me today. And this is a wonderful show, and it's an important show because I've got good friends from Hazel Health, and you can learn more about them at hazel.co, all right? And that's Dr. Travis Gales. Travis has been with us before, the good doctor. He's the chief health officer at Hazel Health, which is a company that provides health services and uh, uh, therapy services to schools, and it's a wonderful company. And Dr. Trav, Dr. Dr. Travis, Dr. Gales, why did I say that? Dr. Travis, let me just say his first name. Travis has previously served as a health officer and chief of public health services for Montgomery County, Maryland, where he oversaw the county health system, hello, including this county school-based health program. And also, I'm very excited to meet her. We have Phyllis Jordan. Phyllis is the Associate Director of Future Ed. I want to learn more about this. A think tank at Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy. And she is an expert on student absenteeism. And we're going to talk about the youth mental health crisis and how it affects education. And boy, these are two experts. So I wanted to make sure we did this show today. Uh, today is November 22nd, 2022, incredibly the 59th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. I was thinking about that this morning, all right? And uh, what a day that was, okay? And a long, long time ago, my friends, okay? And uh, it's an important date in American history. I want everybody to at least remember that. And also, it's two days before Thanksgiving, 2022, and I was... Look at it. There's a famine in Somalia. There's a war in Ukraine. You can go on and on and on. And we're going to have Thanksgiving here in in America. And I just want to uh, make sure everybody understands how important it is to give thanks for all the things we have here today. Okay. <clears throat> Sometimes we worry about high gas prices and all that sort of stuff, but you know we really have it good. And uh, let's just remember that. So uh, please, I want you to go over to ace-ed.org. That's our home website. We got our new magazine, new issue of the magazine, Equity and Access, over there. Please go over, check it out. We're announcing we have our Equity Awards over there. All right, you can see all the wonderful educators and companies that won the awards for this year. We're going to do it again next year. SELtoday.org is over there. It will link, okay, teacherretention.com. And, of course, all the podcasts are over there at ace-ed.org. The new issue of the magazine is excellent. I hope you click through on the cover and check it all out. So without further ado, let me bring on my wonderful guests, if I may. Okay, and I'm going to start, although normally it's ladies first, I'm just going to say, Good morning, Dr. Travis Gales. How are you? Good morning, Larry. I'm doing well, and I hope you will be feeling better soon so you can enjoy your holiday. Well, actually, if you want, you, you're a doctor, so you can diagnose me, and I'll just bring Phyllis on a little later. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's just I, I prescribe a lots throat. of rest. <laughs> and orange juice, and of course, you'll send me some chicken soup, and we'll be just fine. Travis, it's great to have you here again, and uh, Thank thanks you for being for here. Me. Phyllis, I don't usually sound like this, but welcome to the show. Hi, Larry. I'm happy to be here. Um, looking forward to this conversation. Oh, me too. And and let's get so you're associate director of Future Ed. I want to learn more about that. The think tank at Georgetown University, and I found this fascinating: McCourt School of Public Policy. 
not about education, but about public policy. You're an expert on absentee transit. So you wrote something called the absentee, the attendance playbook. And Phyllis, just introduce yourself, what, 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 the future, what future ed does, et cetera, before we get into right. all this other um, stuff. So Future Ed um, is a think tank that focuses on the future of education, which gives us a really broad swath of issues we can we can look at. Um, I have some background in uh, educa- education policy and particularly absenteeism, so I've been writing a lot about that. Mm-hmm. But more recently, our focus has been on the pandemic and what's mm-hmm. happening to students during the pandemic, including absenteeism, but also including mental health, academics, um, we've done an analysis of 5,000 uh, local spending plans of how they're going to spend their COVID relief money. So we have a sense of how districts are responding to this once-in-a-lifetime it, crisis. It, it is, I hope, from your lips to the good Lord's ears, I hope it's a once-in-a-lifetime crisis. Okay. Uh, well, I was just going to say, yes, I hope yeah. we don't ever see anything like this again. Yeah, we could keep talking about the 500-year flood and then another one happens the next week. next week. You know, so it's it's always scary. Uh, since you're future ed, talking about the future of education, okay, well, uh, knowing what you know, okay, and knowing what's going on out there, what, what uh, just real quick before, since the, the Travis is here, he's a doctor. Okay, Phyllis, what's your prognosis for education, thinking about the future of education in America, if I may? Well, I think this is an all-hands-on-deck moment where everybody needs to focus on this. And it's not just academics, but academics are key, but also students are not going to learn and improve if they're not mentally healthy. And they're not, yeah. nothing's yeah. going to happen if they don't attend school. So, and it takes families, and it takes communities, and it takes governments, and it takes teachers and students. But everybody, yeah. gotta, we've got to recognize the crisis we're in and focus our attention on it. Yeah, we really do. I mean, it's really bad out there. <clears throat> and we're talking about, you know, the social, emotional health. And by the way, according to the State Ed Tech Directors Association, I'm sure you probably know this, okay, their research shows that the, that the their use, school districts are using their dollars, okay, for social, emotional learning, which is such a huge concern. We're going to talk about youth right. mental health crisis, all part and parcel. And I have to say something. Uh, the teachers are, since we're in education talk radio, the teachers are under incredible mental health stress. And I was talking That's to one true. of the teachers here in, in the, the small district that I live in here in Maine, and he was saying that last Friday at the high school, 10 teachers happened to be sick. There's COVID going around and some stuff around right. here, et cetera. Well, 10 teachers out out of 34 teachers or 44, oh whatever the hell they act. Okay, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. Okay, and they they wound up with kids, you know, five classes sitting in the in the lunchroom all day. Okay, and they tried to shift wow, people geez. in to take care of them. And you know, we're a small school district up here. It's called Sacopee Valley. Okay, but uh, you know, th- that's the same stress so many school districts are facing. And, and this teacher I was talking to was, uh, he's just so tired of this. He can't even teach his classes anymore. You know, he's just so, so upset all the time. Okay, yeah. we're trying to keep up with this. So it's brutal. Go ahead, Phil. Do you want to, uh, then we'll get into this. Go ahead. Oh, Did I was just going to say, you know, the, I was going to add that, um, you know, you have a lot of educators saying or a lot of pundits saying we need to put, put more give time, kids more time on tasks, like longer school days and work on the weekends. But 
and work over the summer, but the reality is that teachers are worn out, and so are yeah, students. Are. So that's a challenge we've got. Yeah, I know how to I know how to fix it. You pay teachers 150 grand a year to make it a 12 month job, and like everybody else, okay, they get paid for the great job they do, but it's not. It ain't happening, but we'll talk about that. Travis, what your what's your thoughts about what's going on in the schools today? And again, you have not only are you the chief health officer of Hazel Health, okay, but you're also you know you have this great experience out of Maryland, okay, in Montgomery County, huge district. Yeah, well, I, and and hearing what, what Phyllis mentioned, this notion of you know when when folks are talking about extending school days and doing Saturday weekend learning things like that, I would offer a different solution. How about we work hard to make sure that we give children and teachers, <laughs> adults as well, yeah. the resources to be able to cope with what they experience outside of school to yeah. ensure that they, those issues and barriers that are giving them anxiety or causing them trouble in their home lives, if we, imagine if we had a system that worked to identify those issues provide students and teachers with the skills, the coping skills and mechanisms to identify those and work through those so that when they enter into the school, they can be fully present to learn and to grasp the concepts and to be present um, and, to, you know, for academic achievement. Um, so, and that's, that's yeah. the thing that we, we're trying to, to promote is this notion of creating a culture of prevention and mental health, yep. similar to what we do for physical health, so that when that child enters that classroom, they can concentrate on what the teacher is, is trying to get them to learn. And they're not anxious. They're not depressed. They're not yeah. triggered by the trauma and stressors they're seeing at home in their communities. So imagine if we, we created a system that allowed kids, and again, teachers should have access to those resources too, to be able to deal with and cope with those issues so they could be fully present in the school setting. And, and I'm going to segue right into this, Travis. And again, I want to keep saying this, your chief health officer at Hazel Health, okay? And as such, okay, what you just said, Okay, talk about how put Hazel into that picture. Right? I just want because so this this we can actually make some of this happen. And this is what you think about all day. Okay, and you work with Phyllis knows yeah. that Phyllis is the absentee expert. Okay, she knows the end result of yeah. this, and we don't get it right. Go ahead, Travis. I'm going to swing back to Phyllis. Ed. Sure. Well, I think the first two components of it, and in, in to create that culture prevention, you actually have to have access to services. And when it comes to here, mental here. health services. Even though we, we tell kids, you know, you need some help or, you know, you're feeling stressed, we, we can identify that. Many districts across the country are still, unfortunately, facing wait times for access to care anywhere from nine months to over a year. Programs oh like Eagle that provide yeah. a telehealth platform shortens that access to care window. For example, what we're seeing across our districts across the country is our average access to care and wait time to getting from when a student is identified as having a mental health need to when they are talking to a mental health professional is two to three weeks. And imagine yeah. if, if by extending that platform and making that available, we are identifying needs in kids, we're getting them linked to services, and when we're finding, we're, so we're finding that having access to that telehealth platform is not only getting them in quicker, our early returns when we look at, for example, pre and post 
uh, PHQ-9 and GAS-7 scores, we're seeing significant improvements in the overwhelming majority of our kids who participate in our therapeutic sessions, from particularly those who come in with severe symptoms. What we're finding is after an average of six to seven uh, sessions with our providers, those who present with those clinically significant symptoms are no longer expressing those severe symptoms. So imagine if we can increase access by increasing access, utilizing those different non-traditional methods such as telehealth. Um, You can get kids services quicker. And, you know, what we're showing is that not only can we do it quicker, it's high-quality services that we're being able to provide. And, and this is the perfect pivot back to Phyllis, is we know that many kids don't come to school because they have unmet yeah. physical health and mental health needs. So yeah, imagine right. if you get them the services to address that, imagine the impact on absenteeism. And since that's not my area of expertise, I will defer to the absenteeism <laughs> expert to talk about that impact. Excellent segue. You should start doing a podcast. That was really good. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Wow, that well, was impressive. And, and I'll, Go ahead, Phil. And yeah, I'll please. start where Travis left <laughs> off too, because um, when we looked at um, uh, when we looked at these five thousand plans, you know, every locality had to, every local district had to submit a plan to the state before they could get any of the federal COVID relief dollars, and the plan had to lay out how they were going to spend their money. And about a third, a little more than a third of those districts said, "We want to bring in." psychologists and mental health providers and social workers yeah. into our schools. The reality is, though, there, there's a big shortage of school psychologists, and right. many of those districts that plan to bring these people in have not been able to find the people they need. Right. That's where telehealth comes in, and telehealth can really amplify your, your efforts by having many, you know, having many psychologists available to kids. Um, the other thing we saw... Um, was a more generalized effort to create a better make make school a safer, more welcoming place through yeah. uh, providing creating what they call trauma informed atmospheres where mm-hmm. you try not to yell at kids and you try to keep things calm <laughs> by putting social emotional learning curriculum into place so that kids feel you know they can express themselves they can regulate their emotions a lot of there's about a third of the districts are spending on that sort of training and curriculum and that money is pretty much going toward what we think it's going to go to because that's not like people who are to hire so so i would say there is you know for years because i've been in education policy and travis has been in education for years for years Schools mm-hmm. have been saying we need this mental health support. Teachers cannot tell whether someone's yeah. an angsty teenager That's or right. a bipolar kid. So you need a mental health support. And finally, with the pandemic, we're getting that recognition and we're bringing resources in. There's just not enough. And um, in terms of how that plays <clears throat> out for attendance, I mean, we tend to think of absenteeism as kids skipping school. Often, it's about kids not feeling like they belong at school. They don't feel connected to people. Mm. They don't feel they feel like they that the work's too hard or too yep. boring, and that um, the pandemic has really amplified that because or exacerbated that because you know kids who were connected to their teachers and their friends suddenly were sitting at home for a year or two years and a half and lost those connections. Kids who were in middle school come back as ninth graders in high school and they don't know anybody, you know? So um, there's, you know, there's a real issue of trying to 
create, uh, make school a safe and welcoming place for kids. Um, and that's an issue. Attendance, the, if you look at attendance rates, they probably double by, from, uh, the, in terms of the chronic absenteeism rates that kids yeah. missing 10% of the school year have like doubled since before the pandemic. So there's some districts like Detroit had 70% of their kids missing nearly a month of school. So <sighs> it's, it's a real issue that we need to deal with. If we're going to get kids caught up, if we're going to get kids, uh, in a good place mentally, we're going to have to get them back to school. And, and Phyllis, I have, I have to ask you this, and I find this incredibly interesting. Okay, you're the associate director of Future Ed, but Future Ed isn't in an education school. It's in the court school of public policy. And sometimes right. we tend to separate education from public policy. But if education isn't right, Okay, we're going to have some serious problems in society. Okay, right. and that's what that's what public policy is about. And can you kind of link the two on that? If this continues like this, okay, uh, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, what what for not only just in education but in society as a whole. I mean, we have to correct this. And I want to go back full circle before you do and just say that you know a company like Hazel Health they have these these uh, therapists, et cetera, that are ready to help. A school district in Beulah, North Dakota, can't find a school psychologist. I use them just as an example. They're so rural. Exactly. Okay. Up, right. up here in Fort Kent, Maine, they can't find the people. They just aren't there. It's not that they're not trying. Okay. And again, just an example. But this has an impact later on. And Phyllis, just talk about that. Again, from a school of public policy, the impact of these challenges of education. Right. Well, we know, uh, tying it to absenteeism, we know that kids who are absent are more likely to drop out. And we know that when kids drop out or when they don't move on from high school to college or some sort of career path, they're less, they make less money, they have worse health, they uh, die younger. Uh, there are, the education can be um, a way out of poverty, but without a good education, there's a just a cycle of intergenerational poverty. All of these have impacts on American public policy, on how much money we put toward health care, how much money yeah. we put toward unemployment or uh, job training. Uh, schools can do that work for us if schools are funded properly and run properly and get the support they need. So um, Education in this country is inextricably linked to the future of our country, even democracy, understanding yeah. how elections yeah. work, understanding the civil, civil responsibilities, understanding the history of our country and why certain things are important. And also, I might add, understanding where things went wrong in the history of our country and how we need to atone for them. I could agree with you more on any of that. I mean, it's just amazing. So back to Travis. Travis, again, you were a school health official, okay, in in Montgomery County, Maryland, okay, and and I want to I say this right. Things have changed. This is not only has the challenge gotten worse, but the the number of people who can help us has lessened, okay, or at least their availability has lessened. And Travis, from your point of view, as a quote former head of a school health system, okay, county school health system, okay, to, to now working as the chief health officer of Hazel, put put the company in the, in the position of helping out the situation. In other words, it's it's changed, 
okay? And we, we have to depend on companies like Hazel to make this to, to help make these kids healthier again. Just talk about that change and how important it is for school districts to understand this. They have got to find these people, and you guys have them available to them. Go ahead, Travis. Sure. I think the, the first thing that's changed is that we now have – shows like yours and the Surgeon General and the broader public talking about the yeah. mental health needs of children. And there, was, there were significant needs before the pandemic hit, and the pandemic has highlighted and shown a light on and exacerbated those, those needs uh, in many different ways. And what has come out of this is we have more people talking about it, and as Phil has laid out, there's more resources that are being discussed and being made available to address. The challenge is, is now that all the attention is there, what hasn't changed, unfortunately, is the pipeline, as you, you laid out, Larry. Yes. There is a shortage of providers to be able to provide in-person services in many districts. And whether it's a small district, as you described, in Maine, I grew up in a small district in southern Virginia uh, where there aren't a ton of resources available in terms of, of human capital. And so what has changed, again, is this movement to recognize that we can't do things the same way that we used to before. Um, and so there are new opportunities, such as Hazel Health, bringing in and utilizing telehealth um, and a telehealth platform to be able to serve as an extender of services and increase access for those communities that ha still are experiencing extreme shortages of providers and the weight is, is going up as, as we, we continue to move forward. And what's also, what, what also needs to change with that, though, is in creating this, this space to provide these services, we also see that you can't just treat the child with their clinical symptoms. You also have to do your due diligence and looking at the whole child. And the approach we take at Hazel is saying, hey, yes, we are here to treat your symptoms that you're presenting with, but we know particularly for children, there's so many different factors that influences those symptoms. Do you have stable housing? Do you have something to eat? Are you in a safe neighborhood? Do you have stable transportation to be able to make it to your appointments? Is your parent or guardian um, in a job that has health insurance or paid leave to be able to take you to your appointments or help navigate the healthcare system to get the help you need um, based upon your different diagnoses that, that you have? And so we've got to do more in terms of creating a system that supports that, in terms of reimbursing for those services, and yeah. understanding that all of those different factors will, again, influence that child's ability to be present in the classroom and to be able to live up to their full academic potential. Well said, my friend. Yeah. And as Chief Health, oh, go ahead, Phyllis, did you want to say something? I heard you. Um, no, I was just agreeing. Um, amen, saying amen to all of that. <laughs> Amen. You got that right. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's just amazing. And I have to ask this, Travis, as, as you, you again, you're chief health officer of Hazel Health. So it's your responsibility, if I may, to, quote, hire the therapists, hire the people who will perform the services. Are they, how is it working? When, when a school district says, well, I wish I could do this in person, okay, well, will the, will the person over, over a Zoom meeting or whatever be able to get the same results? Okay, how do you train people? Are they being trained to do this? Give, give us a, a feeling of the results that you guys get from all this. 
sure. It's a so change. I, I, it's a change, I, and it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's an important change. They have to feel confident. It's, it's good. Yeah. yeah it, it's a change in an evolution in practice. I mean, I know when I, I, I as a as a pediatrician in training, when oh. I did my training. I didn't, we didn't do virtual medicine. Everything was the old fashioned way of in person. You know, you come into the hospital, you come into the clinic. So it's an evolution in practice. And, um, you know, as you, as you mentioned, when I was a health department director, I remember we uh, were trying to get some small grants to do some pilots in telehealth. And this was back in like 2018, 2019, and it wasn't as attractive. And so there wasn't a lot of funding out there. Now, fast forward to 2022, the dynamics have changed entirely. Oh, yeah. where everyone is, is leveraging that, that, that process. So what we do, we have an extensive team and uh, our people team is phenomenal and they work to recruit uh, providers who understand our approach, that whole child approach that I referenced in terms of, yes, treating the child's clinical symptoms, but also looking at the full life spectrum of the child in terms of all of the different components that we know influence um, that child's ability to, to be healthy and whole. And so we look to attract providers who understand that, and that's part of their delivery of services. We also recognize that representation is important as well, and diversity is important. And so actually over 60% of our providers identify as people of color, and over 50% of our providers wow. speak multiple languages. Wow. Um, and so it's important to recruit bodies, yes. We, we all need a, a large sample size of, of providers. But we also want to make sure that those providers represent the communities that we serve because we know Absolutely. that that can be extremely impactful for a child in their therapeutic pro a child and adult in their therapeutic process. But we also want to make sure that um, you know. And to your other point, when we do partner with districts, we work to recruit providers, even though they are providing a virtual service, we work to recruit providers who may live in that area or close by because it's, it's important that the provider understand and have a good understanding of the environment within which the children live so that they can have a better working understanding of the types of pressures and struggles that the children face in their daily lives. Just astounding. The, the, the cycle of it all. How one thing impacts, it's like a set of dominoes. You knock over one, okay, and they all fall. You've got to be so careful with this. And Phyllis, I have to uh, – by the way, Phyllis, is it Dr. Jordan? Mid, what, no, 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 just a master's degree. So just a no, master's degree, not just a, not just a. You're an expert, okay? I was just describing to make sure, I, <laughs> make, make sure that you were introduced <laughs> properly there. You know, I, I want to talk about something else, and this is something, again, you're an expert on. You, you've written about the, the, the attendance playbook for addressing – chronic absenteeism and school districts have to address that they used to have the old truant officer like in the our gang right. comedies go out and pick up the kids by the uh, by the collar and bring them back to school we all yeah. remember that and there was old movies that doesn't happen anymore by the way everybody okay but absenteeism <laughs> affects a lot of things in a school district especially dollars coming in if i may besides the, uh, the yeah, results you yeah, just talk about why this is important in terms of correcting the absentee problem. That the, yeah. the less absenteeism, the better off we are. Not just the kids, but the school district. Right. Well, and we see bad ill effects of absenteeism as early as kindergarten. Kids who miss too much preschool really? and kindergarten 
are less likely to read by third grade. They're less likely to develop the kind of social skills of sort of persistent social skills. I don't mean like playing with friends, but more like the ability to persist and work hard on things. A lot of that stuff is developed in preschool and kindergarten. So missing too much of that affects you down the road. By middle school, uh, chronic absenteeism can be an indicator that a child will drop out. And by ninth grade, it's a better indicator than your grades. You can fail all your classes in ninth grade, and you have a better chance of graduating than if you were chronically absent. So throughout wow. your, your career, it's an indicator of academic success. And so often, it's an indicator of, of where your head is, not just your mental health, but you know how you feel about school, how you feel about yourself. Uh, and how connected you feel. So a lot of the, the, the attendance playbook has about 24 evidence-based solutions. The, the, the uh, federal money that just came, has come flowing to school districts to address learning loss calls for using evidence-based solutions. So we went through and said, well, what, are, what solutions have evidence? And there's quite a lot. I mean, it sort of starts at home. There's a really... Um, intensified effort to do what's called home visits where you go to the home you don't go there and say like your truant officer where's your kid you go and say hi you just want to get to know the family you get a lay of the land you realize gosh maybe the kid isn't eating or doesn't have his own bedroom so he doesn't sleep well or 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 you know one woman who was a home visitor i spoke to said during the pandemic she would go and the parents were scared to send their kids to school they were scared they were going to get covid and die and that's a very natural yeah. human response oh, but yeah. you got to get yeah. you got to get the kids out the door and back to school at some point so you know that's a very simple approach then there's these sort of approaches where you're sending parents letters just not judgy letters but like hey your kids missed five days of school so far this year the average for his class is two it gets the parent thinking about what's going on maybe i should have a little better attendance and then as i mentioned the sort of whole school efforts of creating a more welcoming environment through social-emotional learning. Like, you know, even you see these videos of these teachers giving kids high fives and hand fist bumps and hugs at the door, (laughs) those sorts of things just make kids feel connected to school. So, you know, yeah, and those are sort of like the first tier of kids, like for every kid. Then you have these kids who have problems either, mental health problems or just problems getting to school and you need a more intensive approach there you need to say what's going on is it transportation are are they not in a safe neighborhood as travis was saying and maybe it's it's dangerous to walk to school so maybe you need to get uh, some school districts put like uh, adults on every street corner on the path to school so that make make the kids feel safer some do these things called walking school buses where kids you drop stop by every kid's house and like 10 kids walk to school together with a couple of adults so you know the really simple things can improve attendance and then then you have your kids sort of the tier three kids the kids who really need a lot of support who're going to need to talk to a mental health provider they're going they're pregnant or they you know they have a serious health issue so they're, they're mm-hmm. sort of you know it, or housing is a big issue like if you don't um housing one story i like to tell is about lebron james when he was in fourth grade he missed 83 days of school and it was because his family got evicted and they were moving around from different relatives houses and they just it was hard for him to get to school now someone like lebron james the next year a coach sort of 
noticed him and made sure he got to school and made sure they had good housing. But there's not always somebody looking out yeah. for the kids. So to the extent that we can do more to look out for what kids need. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, you know, we got to watch out for everybody. And believe me, I am a huge LeBron James fan, okay? But, you know, there there are less exceptional people that we have to take great care of. <laughs> Okay, so right, let me exactly. put it that way. And by the way, I am one of them. I'm not very good at basketball. Okay, but it, <laughs> you know, just me. I have to ask you, Phyllis, where you know we talked about the attendance playbook. Where is that? How do people get, find you that? You can go where to www.futured.org. Uh, it's future-ed.org, and you'll oh, find okay. it there. Probably, if you Google attendance playbook future ed, which is one word, future ed. It'll pop up. Um, okay. We also we do that in partnership with Attendance Works, which is a nonprofit that focuses completely on attendance. We're we're broader, but we focus a lot. We work a lot with researchers too, sort of the intersection of research policy Good. and Good. We, practice. Good. We need this, so, and we need. And, and you know, I have to say this, and, and you know, we, we do this all the time in medicine. We don't do it in education. We have facts. And a lot of times, because we are a publicly run bureaucracy, okay, we don't do what we need to be, what, we, what the evidence tells us to do. And we have to change right. that, okay? It's that simple, right. okay? Uh, you know, and it's hard, so I always say it's hard to get a brontosaurus to make a left turn, okay? But we got to make sure we do that, okay? Because it's right. really, really important. That's, that, you know, and, and when I say that, you know, you look at a company like Hazel, that's exactly what's going on. They're making that brontosaurus make that left turn. Okay, it's time uh-huh. to make a change because the time is now. That's all. I just amazing. Well, okay, and you we two have are wonderful. Yeah, go ahead, please. Go ahead. Phil, we have please. telehealth as one of our solutions. Um, it is. One of our evidence-based solutions is. that this is a way that we can get more kids more health and. When we wrote that, we're about to revise the tennis playbook, so I'm going to ask Travis if he has any new research. But, but we were focusing more on health things like asthma. Asthma is a huge uh, reason that kids miss a lot of school, but it's well, the number one reason that, ki- that kids miss school for illness is asthma. Um, a lot of times, wow. your, kid gets, your kid gets a cold, he's out for a day or two, but a kid with asthma tends to be out for like a week. And then you have the issue with... Um, it's kind of like the issue with COVID. A lot of I once interviewed this woman who was a grandmother caring for her grandson, and she said, uh, "I didn't want to send him to school because I was afraid he's going to have an asthma attack and die." And I was like, "It's hard to argue wow. with that person." No, you can't and, argue but, with that. But, Don't argue with that. No, right. Yeah. But her school had opened a clinic, and now she felt confident to send her child to school, her grandchild to school, because there was that clinic at school. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if there was some confidence that, you know, her, her child was having an asthma attack and could talk to a telehealth person too, that would be something that re- would reassure, parent, reassure parents as well. And, and Phyllis, you know, and Travis, Travis and Phyllis, you know, that, that's, that's really the key of this whole thing. When, when this, and I will use Hazel as the example, when they sign up for telehealth services, teletherapy, okay, it gives the parents and the teachers confidence in the system, and it makes the system work. And that key word is confidence, okay? You get results, mm-hmm. but you get confidence, too. It's amazing. We have to go. i got to thank you both. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Phyllis, and to you, Travis. Thanks, you have a Larry. great holiday, okay? Thank Travis, you, you so there? much, and I hope you feel better. Yep. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm sure yeah. I will. I feel better after talking to you guys already. Got my mind <laughs> off my stinky throat. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. Have a safe, wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll talk again. Uh, thank you. I'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. Pardon, again, pardon my silly voice here today. I sound like Mickey Mouse. All right. Um, Little Phyllis meets me, and Travis already knows me. Little Phyllis meets me when she hears what I actually sound like. Okay, she's associate director of Future Ed, which is the think tank at Georgetown University in McCourt School. This is interesting, of public policy. And go over to Future Ed or just Google the attendance playbook. This is interesting stuff. And if you want to start curing the problem, call Hazel Health. It's hazel.co. And Travis... Okay, who's been on the show several times now, he's excellent, is the chief health officer of, of that particular service, Hazel Health. Oh, excuse me, Hazel, Hazel Health at hazel.co. We'll archive the show at ace-ed.org, and everybody, please have a safe, happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you after. 